Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we use intersectional feminism, mindfulness, leadership, and strategy to support smart women to change the world without anxiety, insecurity, and burnout. And so women need to realize that they have that power. And not everybody's doing that, but they should know, just like everybody else in the system, they can change the rules too. And they should be empowered to do that. On the show, we challenge the status quo and support you to unlearn harmful messages that keep you playing small so you can activate your superpowers and live with joy, confidence, and ease. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, hello, well women. On the show this week, I talked to Sangeeta, the founder and CEO of Gotara, a global career growth platform for women in STEM+. Its mission is to close the gender gap and help STEM plus women stay and thrive in their careers. So on the show today, we talk about the need for equality and representation for women in STEM, why women need to have a voice at the table while in college and in their careers, and how we can encourage younger women to get into STEM. You can find all the notes from today's show at wellwomanlife.com slash 266 show. And you can continue the conversation with us in the Well Woman Life community at wellwomanlife.com slash community. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from the Well Woman Academy. Join us for this group coaching experience for high achieving professionals at wellwomanlife.com slash academy. So it is my honor to introduce Sangeeta. As I said, she is the founder and CEO of Gotara, and she herself almost left her STEM career early on, but she found a mentor who reached out and guided her, and she stayed in her career, achieving 26 patents, leading global teams, and working at the highest levels in her field. So, so pleased to have Sangeeta on the show today. I'm speaking with Sangeeta today on the show. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Jayana. It's so good to have you. I'm really excited to dig into all of what you do in the world. And I just want to start by having you share with listeners, who are you in the world today? Who am I in the world? That's a big question. (laughs) I have been in uh, the corporate world for a couple of decades, and I feel like I'm on a second mountain of my career. And the second mountain is doing something that fulfills my intellectual and career needs, but also makes a huge impact on the society which is closing the gender gap in women in STEM plus. Yes. Okay. And are there any other identities that you have that you want to share before we dive into your work? Yeah. So apart from work, there are a few things that I'm really interested in. Uh, One is uh, we play golf as a family and we picked up golf about 30 years ago and uh, we've been playing every time we get an opportunity. It's it's probably one of the best ways to relax and de-stress because there is no sport where you can be out for four hours and not thinking about anything but that little tiny ball, you know? (laughs) So, (laughs) so that, and you're in a beautiful environment, you're enjoying the outdoors. And so um, anytime we get the opportunity, we do that when we travel or otherwise, I don't uh, get to play as often as I used to, but uh, we try to. And the second thing that I realized that actually benefited us during the pandemic was cooking. I enjoy gourmet cooking, not everyday cooking, uh, Mm. but I got used to it during the pandemic. My daughter was here as well. So between the three of us, we would cook and 
it was all divided responsibilities. Everybody would get together and cook. And it was because we didn't go out anywhere. We didn't do anything. Cooking was entertainment. <laughs> and then uh, I remember one time we actually cooked, uh, uh, we actually ate uh, dinner from the previous day because we had leftovers. And we were done in like 30 minutes. And we said, oh, we got gypped. We didn't get to cook today. So, so it's been actually a lot of fun experience and I've, I've really enjoyed cooking as well. Okay, and how old are your kids? My daughter is 27 years old. She just turned 27. Oh, so that's precious time spending that time with her cooking. Oh, absolutely. She taught us a lot of stuff. So for example, uh, now we only eat uh, salads during lunchtime. Never before. I mean, we'd eat salads sometime, we'll eat sandwiches, we'll eat hot lunch. Uh, but she taught us that you could have variety in, uh, in salads. Mm. And and so it's become healthy and much easier to make during, uh, like if you take 10 minutes and you're done. Mm. And uh, so uh, having her was awesome. I mean, I don't think we'll, uh, most of us, like most of us, so when our kids leave, we don't get uh, to spend months of time together. So there were issues with the pandemic, but uh, there are also some of these side benefits that I personally enjoyed. Yes, it's really important to recognize those, uh, as you say, side benefits or gift, gifts, um, right. because they're, you know, it's it. It's important perspective. Absolutely. So Sangeeta, what are you working on and how does it impact women's lives? Um, so we are in the sweet spot of women's life. Um, I grew up as a woman in STEM, meaning engineering and sciences, and uh, uh, right from a college days to beginning uh, work, in many, many meetings, I'd be the only woman in the room. Um, and that was true when I was growing up in India. And that is, uh, was true here when I came to U.S. for graduate school. And, uh, and, and you know, it just was so uh, such a normal thing for me. I didn't think much about it. I got used to it. And maybe part of that helped me to rise to the leadership roles that I did rise to, that I didn't let it bother me. And I learned what are the things you need to do in order to grow. Uh, but I felt like there were lots of other women who could be in great leadership roles. And every opportunity I got, I tried to figure out how what to do and how to bring them up into leadership roles. And the point that I struggled with, how do you do this at scale? So you can go help as an individual, a few women here that you interact with, a few women that you mentor and coach and all that. How do you do this at scale? So it's not just you, but you're leveraging other women, you're leveraging technology, you're leveraging everything that is possible that we have learned in business to help improve the statistics uh, percentage of women in STEM plus fields, which is anywhere from single digit to maybe at the most 30% in the workforce. Right. So they go from maybe 50% in graduation from uh, college, but it drops them dramatically. A lot of people, women leave uh, the workforce. So I would love to see equality and representation of women and equity and compensation, both. Okay. And so I want to ask you about that. Do you you think that, I mean, you want to take it to scale and you want to see a real shift in the culture and in society and in the systems, it sounds like. Do you think it is only about the numbers 
or do, do some other things need to shift in order to support them once they get there? Oh, absolutely. I don't think it's just the numbers because, you know, if you think about it, a representation of women and all that, there are two ways you can improve the representation at different levels in the organization. One is through recruiting them into those positions. And second is to retain them. So you have a pipeline that you can promote the women to. So a lot of organizations have gotten really good at recruiting. So they'll recruit, but the issues that all of us are having is we are unable to retain them. And the reason we are unable to retain them are many different factors. And one of them is having inclusive environment. And you've got to have the right kind of environment for them to thrive. And if uh, women feel it's a toxic environment, uh, that they may want to go someplace else. And, and, And sometimes grass is always greener on the other side, but... Interesting thing is the data that we have collected within our own uh, platform, women are either uh, leaving or stagnating in their roles, not because of the reasons we think they are, like the benefits that you get, the flexibility you get, oh, well, you have a role model or you don't. Role models do affect the culture. But what they are most interested in, am I valued? Am I being bullied? Does my manager support me? Do I have self-improvement opportunities? Am I being dumped at work? Those are some of the things that are more important for women to decide whether they're going to stay or leave. Mm. And those are the things we work on with women. Retain them, right? I mean, it's good for them. It's good for the society. It's good for the women. Yeah, it's a really win. It's a win-win, isn't it? Yeah. So you talk about uh, in your own story having had a mentor of your own when you were in your early 30s, and what a difference it made for you. And you ended up staying in the career for 20 years. And so I'm wondering if you can share what that guidance was and why, like, why it made such a great impact on you, uh, so that you you were one of the women that stayed in the career for for a few decades. Yeah, yeah. And the interesting thing is I still stay in touch with that uh, leader uh, after so many different stages in my career. The interesting thing was uh, back in the day, I didn't even know what networking really meant and what a sponsor was. And I actually had a sponsor because I was picked out of a meeting and the senior leader came to me uh, to help me put, uh, to literally put me into a different role than I was doing. And I said, what? You want me to go from material sciences to marketing? But I'm glad I thought about it. I sought some advice and I took the role because after that, my career really took off. And so in one of the situations where one of the jobs, uh, my work was getting audited on a regular basis because it was such sensitive work. It impacted uh, the financials on a regular basis and stuff. So there's something called corporate audit staff. And uh, they uh, they came and they said that you need to change this in the model based on our findings. You, and, and most of the time they're right and everybody uh, listens to them and you make the change. When I reviewed the request uh, from technical perspective, I didn't think it was right. Um, and uh, and I said, oh, we shouldn't change this. And so sometimes, and 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 so I was totally stressed out because I I took up uh, took on a big organization that is revered in the company, and uh, and and I didn't see the support I was hoping to see because I was right. I thought. This is it. I'm done. 
<laughs> and it was very stressful as an individual. I couldn't talk to anybody about this. I wish I had Gotara. I wish I had other people. But uh, luckily, what I realized in situations like these is sometimes you just bite the time, you let things pass. Once you have the data, you show the data and you can make the change. And that's the advice that I got, that sometimes we get so uh, hell-bent on I'm right and you're wrong, and that's not necessarily the way uh, to move forward. And, and you don't have the data, and you're fighting about something that you think is right, and collect the data. And, and since then, every time I want to prove a point, I use data to prove and influence uh, decisions. Okay, great. And you mentioned Gotara, and this is the the company that you started now to provide growth uh, and learning opportunities for women in STEM and leadership, I'm assuming. I'd love you to tell us a little bit about Gotara, but also in the context of leadership, what makes a good leader and how do we support leadership growth? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very good points. Uh, So Gotara is what we call it a career growth platform for women in STEM plus. I just want to mention what STEM plus means. Everybody knows what STEM is, right? And you add to that economics, finance, market research, and data science. These are all the fields that I have worked closely with. And what I realized that it had same issues as the STEM organization. There weren't uh, many women. Uh, from leadership perspective, I'll give you one example. I, uh, in one of the organizations, I was asked to lead uh, uh, data science. And uh, as I took the organization, I had about 15 reports or so globally, and they were all men. And my question was, aren't there women in this organization? And I assumed that there were very few, and that's why there's no pipeline. Lo and behold, I get the data back from HR that's 50% women. I said, oh my God, data science, we have more women. But where are they? Why aren't they in the leadership role? So we actually, my HR and I interviewed um, the top uh, three senior most talent women. We, we did an experiment and I decided to uh, go like outside the rules and, and promote these women to directly report to to me. And, and we said, let's see if it works out. Great. If it doesn't, we tried. We've uh, or we learn something from it, right? And uh, these three women, at the end of the first year, after we put them in the role, they were the top five. So my question was whether they did not raise their hand or they raised their hands and they did not get the opportunity despite that. It was a combination of both. So I think, uh, and this is where we kind of teach a lot about how to have the voice at the table, all these kinds of things like build up to uh, you being the leader. If you don't have a voice at the table, whether you are junior or senior, chances are you're not going to grow. And voice at the table, you have to earn it. You can't just assume that people will ask you to start talking. Uh, It'll be great if they did, but that goes for everybody. Where do you come prepared for meetings? And you provide value that when you speak, everybody turns to you and says, that was a great point. Uh, So I think from simple things like voice at the table uh, to things where you actually think hard about where you want to go 
in your career. Some people want to be technical leaders. Some people want to be people leaders. What are the things that you need to do in order to get to that role? So determine, you look up to one of your role models and you say, I want to be that. But today you are two years into work. How do you get to that 15 years later? You figure out what is that next job? What is that next job that you should have in order for you to continue to grow? And what does that require? And what do you already have and what do you excel at? And what are the things that you need to go fill? So when you talk about leadership, it's different things for different people. It's not exactly the same thing. Some people are naturally good at certain things. Some people learn uh, to become good at certain things. And either way, it is important for it to be more personalized. And those are the kinds of things we work in Gotara, where we help them figure out what it is that they need. So from leadership perspective, I'll give you one example that is a very recent example of somebody who was having difficulty in managing the amount of work that was coming their way. And they said they are unable to negotiate their product leader and they are unable to negotiate with the, uh, the folks who are leaders who are bringing more work to them. So they already had 10 things that they wanted to work on. And now you have another five things, three things, two things. And now you're like swimming and stuff. And so the immediate response would be, oh, you need to take negotiation skills class or you go to your manager and negotiate with them about what's on your plate and figure out what to do. As we did the root cause, what we found that if she knew uh, and understood the strategy of the organization really well, she can have a very informed discussion with whoever brings that request. And she can clearly deny it or she can accept it. And when she accepts it, she says, what are the other one, one or two things that come off the plate? And so she felt like now she's in a driver's seat and she just garnered so much more respect from the folks that were working with her because now she's using data to drive the discussion. Mm. Okay, great points. And I just wonder, Sangeeta, how does systemic racism or sexism impact some of the strategies that you try to use in your program? Because it, it's it's good to learn tools and strategies, but when there's a larger system that's impacting, it, it can be difficult to navigate that. Yeah, I, I think um, it, it's it's an issue. I totally accept that, that this is an issue that all of us uh, need to work through that. But I have to tell you that when you take feelings out and you put the facts in, it is much easier for you to work through a situation. So even when you feel like you're being, you're, you're being discriminated against for whatever reason, if you collect the data and you bring the data back, data speaks thousands of words and images that, and, 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 and you know, to tell you the truth, a part of the reason as I have grown in a very male-dominated industry, aviation, energy, technology, there are times here and there I haven't felt discriminated. And, and, and so I wouldn't say it has been a smooth ride at all. But when you use data, it is very hard for people to deny you what you're looking for to move forward with. And so, and, and the thing is, every time you bring up racism or you bring up sexism in a conversation, it puts everybody at uh, guard, like, should I say anything? Should I not say anything? And then people become very reserved and you can't have the conversation. But if you talk with data, what you're trying to solve, then it becomes a lot easier. And 
obviously what I'm talking about can't solve 100% of the problem. There are some fundamental issues that we have to deal with in a different way. But in the business world, what I'm saying is based on my own experience and the experience of women like me who are part of our Gotara system of advisors uh, have risen to the top, to the executive rank by doing the things that they did, Mm -hmm. uh, which were more like what everybody's slightly different, but that's what I'm saying that they, they, they leverage some things that work in the system. And, and what we say in Gotara spiral up. Once you get to the top, you can change the rules, go change the rules. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you about was, it sounds like your program does a really thorough job of the strategies and tools and supports to, to support women in STEM plus to succeed in a already existing kind of male dominated business world, which is what it is. It has been male dominated and it, and it still is. And, and so just that alone is, is worth, you know, talking about that, that, that you, that you're supporting women to, to succeed in that system. And then I'm really, really curious about once they get in and you just sort of mentioned this, but you know, once you, once you get women in and succeeding in the system, does the system change purely by having more women in it? And also what are the changes that you've seen? Like, what are the rules that, that have been, that you've been able to change because of getting more women into leadership roles? And so this is something we women, as we grow in our organizations, have to actually consciously try to make some of the changes. Like I gave you the example earlier, data science organization. And there was a point in my career, I realized that I can actually start changing the rules. I can do things that I have not been able to do when I was a junior person and I took it and now I don't need to take it and I can change the rules. And so women need to realize that they have that power and not everybody's doing that, but they should know just like everybody else in the system, they can change the rules too. And they should be empowered to do that. And um, what I was going to say is that as an individual, as you're growing and you're spiraling up, I have... Uh, I have done that several times and I, and sometimes I call it breaking the rules, but I feel like we are making new rules, right? The organization is changing. And uh, several times during my career, when I had taken an organization that was not diverse, and then by the time I left and took another role and the organization was diverse, even the men who came and told me that this is, this organization is so much more fun to work with. So we were innovating more. We were happier as an organization. Everybody felt included. And the culture of the organization changed as a result of that. And so I think we can do that. We can absolutely do that. Yeah. I think as we feel empowered, when I say empowered, leaders should feel empowered. So when I think about networking, I almost feel like there are like four stages of networking. And the first one is that you just socialize. The second one is you give or get advice and you get help. The third one is you give and get jobs. Like I can offer you a job and you can offer me a job. The fourth one is give and get business. This is where I think we need to work hard at. This is where women should feel empowered to do that. And 
and because it happens in, in the world today, you go to sales fo- folks in, in sales in any of the organization, they'll say, oh, yeah, my wife's uh, uh, colleague in that organization will be a great uh, customer of ours. And he'll go right through and make the connections and not worry about like, oh, how would it look? No. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need to feel empowered to be able to do, and there'll be, I mean, it, it's not unethical stuff that I'm talking about. It's, we, sh- we should stay away from that. But there are a lot of good business practices that is a part of who we are as women. And that's the pinnacle of networking and empowerment. Mm, I love how you outlined those four stages of networking. We'll be right back. You're invited to join me for a brand new monthly group experience over in the Well Woman Academy. This is a monthly group that includes access to the full six-week course based on feminism, mindfulness, and the Well Woman Life Framework. It includes weekly groups, coaching sessions with me, as well as office hours and a private Facebook group to share and grow. Don't get me wrong, this is hard work, but with these tools, you will easily find the time to do the course, get the coaching, and reach your goals monthly. If you find yourself worrying about whether you'll ever make it in the thing you're pursuing, waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety, lacking the energy you need to get everything done, stuck in some aspect of leading your team, procrastinating on moving forward with projects and tasks, or in a leadership role but second-guessing yourself constantly, I'd love to introduce you to the Well Woman Academy. It's for smart, high-achieving Achieving women changing the world who want to overcome anxiety, burnout, perfectionism, and insecurity. The result? You get to live your well woman life, a life of joy, ease, and abundance, even when things are tough all around you. Visit wellwomanlife.com slash academy to learn more. We're back on the Well Woman Show. I'm speaking with Sangeeta and we're headed into the segment called Superpowers for Success, where we get to know you on a personal level a little bit more as a a woman leader. And the first question I have is, what does success in life mean for you? Very, very good question. Actually, you know, my daughter a few years ago had asked me that question. And, um, and, and she's, no, the question that she had asked me was, what makes you want to go to work every day? And my answer was, I thought about it, and my answer was, and it still is today, I actually uh, feel awesome when I see people I mentor and coach and help do great in their careers. They succeed and they go become big leaders in different organizations. It almost feels like I have one daughter, but now I have a big family and I'm proud of their achievement. So I can create a product, I can create technology that will be there, I've been known for it. But the most that makes makes me feel most successful is when I impact individual careers and hence their lives, hopefully. Yeah. Um, And Sangeeta, when did you know you were really good at what you do? The first time when I got tapped on the shoulder by a senior leader in GE. Um, and I was like surprised, like what? And this, this is the time when I was in my goggles, lab coat and steel toe boots doing my experiments and doing things, research and development. And I expected, I have a PhD in material science. So I expected to retire as a senior scientist, right? And here comes a senior corporate officer from GE who says, would you be interested in marketing? And I was like, what? And it felt like marketing for material science, what's the connection? And looking back, what I felt like what he saw was I was able to sell ideas that were in my head. 
And marketing should be actually a little bit easier, not a whole hell of a lot easier, but a little bit easier because you can touch and feel what you're selling. Engines and aviations, aviation stuff. And it wasn't easy. I went through a huge learning curve. It was tough, but I loved it. And that was the time I felt like I was onto something. Some somebody has noticed me for something. And and then the second time that uh, this this thing happened is when I finally had people reporting to me. And before I had a team of like technicians and stuff, but here professional people were reporting to me in the group of about 40 people. And I started getting feedback and I started getting feedback from HR and from my leader on how I'm doing as a people's leader. And I realized, oh, I'm actually doing good. Yeah, there are two, three things I need to go work on. I'm doing all right. Mm. I, I can I can achieve more, and so uh, it's the feedback of your own team that you get, and 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 the energy that you feel that I was talking about. The, the success for me means uh, success of my team and the people I work with, and that's the energy that kept building throughout my career. And I just want to ask you because um, what you're describing is definitely important as far as the feedback and the the validation. And I'm just wondering, though, something must have been going on with you where you had an internal voice that was just telling you that what you had to offer was valuable. I mean, in order for that GE executive to to even notice you, right? Like, so you must have known, I have something to say here. And what do you think that was about? Um, So you're, (laughs) I have to do a little bit of reflection here. Yeah. Uh, I have to say that as a kid, I remember I, I was, I was good at school. And I was also good at sports. And sports was something that I had picked up. And during the time uh, I was growing up in India, it wasn't a big thing. Nobody got into sports and stuff. I just loved it and I did it. And luckily, my parents didn't stop me from doing it. It, I believe it helped me. Part of the reason was it helped me become the leader I am today. Because when you are uh, participating in a sport, you're performing in front of people. And then you get these claps and you get these kudos, you get these trophies uh, that gives you this validation that you're good at something. And 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 the other thing that I noticed, and I think back in time, that any time somebody said that you can't do this, I was even more determined to prove <laughs> them wrong. And and it's it it still is with me today. Um, and that's why that's why, despite a lot of hurdles and other things that. Uh, um, one goes through to get to where I am. I think I'm, I, that that was it was grit and determination that uh, that got me here. <laughs> okay, and what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? I would say the superpower for me is innovate combination of understanding the customer and innovation. So, um, and this was very interesting because I haven't been really in customer facing jobs all the time. I have been in a lot of operational roles, technology roles, engineering roles. I just did the same thing I had done over and over again when I went to Amazon and I got a feedback from my boss and from other people. Boy, I mean, they talk about customer and I fit right into it because we drove the the uh, the product that we were working on in a very customer obsessed way and what i believe is when you're customer obsessed you're more innovative and uh, and and back in my early career days i got 26 patents do i think i'm smarter than uh, a lot of folks 
Not at all. In fact, I believe when I was at GE Corporate Research, there are a lot of people who are probably a lot smarter than me, a lot smarter than me. I think what probably differentiated me in getting so many patterns was uh, understanding the customer needs and really bringing the team. This is where kind of thinking about the team and stuff, bring a team together to help address a customer problem. So it's not just my idea. It was a bunch of people's idea. Diversity of thought was very critical to me. So one of the things I said, when you have the scientists and engineers together, one of the things everybody worries about, whose name will go on a patent? And my point was, if you're in the room and we're discussing this idea, your name goes on the patent. So as a result, the ideas just flew. Well, that's a very inclusive approach that was that was innovative in itself. It was. It was innovative, but it actually created so many ideas as a result of that. So if you are inclusive and you have diversity of thought, you can be 100 times smarter than yourself. <laughs> I love that. Okay, just a couple more questions before we wrap up. What advice would you give your younger self, say 30-year-old Sangeeta? The younger self, the advice I would give them is I should have found a coach who could, uh, outside of my organization, who I could bounce off some of these sensitive things, I didn't have a means to do. So I uh, actually, I learned that mentors could be great help for your career. And so I would seek out people that I really appreciated, but you have to be careful in what you could discuss with them because they're internal folks. And, And sure enough, word gets around. And so for the sensitive issues, I wish I had something like Gotara I could go to. I truly believe that, that I could, I would not be judged. I'd get the advice and I don't have to worry about, oh, next time an opportunity comes along, would I be considered for this or not? Otherwise they would say, oh, Sangeetha's a little iffy on this topic. I'm not sure. And somebody else who gets the job may have the same issue or even bigger issue, but they didn't talk about it. So they got the job. Okay. And Sangeetha is referring to her company, Gotara. Tara.com and we'll link to it in the show notes at wellwomanlife.com slash podcast. And Sangeeta, do you identify as a feminist? This is a very good question. So I absolutely care about uh, women representation all over the place in all fields. Uh, uh, do I prescribe to everything that feminism talk about? Probably not. I'm more of a middle ground person, but I I do care about women and their representation and how can we course correct our society to actually increase the GDP, to improve the job satisfaction, to improve the lives of people around the globe. I think think helping women grow and succeed in their careers can have a huge impact on the society. Huge. Okay. And last question for you. What are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? On my nightstand is the second Einstein. That's the book I'm reading. First wife of uh, Einstein and how she had actually come up with a bunch of ideas. So it's, it's kind of fiction and history combination, but um, it's a very, very interesting story. I haven't, I haven't finished it yet. 
Cool. Okay. We'll link to that also in the show notes. We love to share reading recommendations from our guests. And Sangeeta, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. You're welcome. And thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed this discussion. Appreciate it. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your well woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join our community. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week. So be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.